You're listening to Second on the Mount, a podcast of sermons from Second Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. We are glad you found us. My name is Elizabeth Link, and I'm the Associate Pastor for Christian Education. Each week, we climb into the pulpit with a bit of fear and trembling. We hope and pray that what we have to say is true to God's will for the church and may encourage and challenge you on your journey of discipleship. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review if you enjoy. May the Spirit have some word for you and what we have to share. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts and thoughts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture passage comes from the New Testament Gospel of Matthew. The story is actually found in two places in the New Testament, once in Mark and then again in Matthew. Hear these words from Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. But Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I shared, Mark is actually the first gospel to record this story. Mark was written years before Matthew was composed. As Matthew retells the encounter, he's reshaped and edited the story in significant ways. We find a much larger conversation here than in Mark's version. In Mark, we learn that a Syrophoenician woman came and fell down at Jesus' feet, begging him to heal her daughter. In Matthew, the Canaanite woman addresses Jesus three separate times. For Matthew, the dialogue rather than the healing stands at the heart of the story. Now this is a tough story for most of us to read, actually because it appears to present Jesus responding in an uncompassionate way to the cry of help from a Gentile woman. The most difficult verse, of course, is verse 26. Jesus answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Now there are three main ways to interpret this verse and its context. The first is you can treat verse 26 as inauthentic. Maybe it's credited to some early Jewish Christians in the early church who were opposed to the Gentile mission. And then the story was later corrected to add the happy ending of the woman not being sent away, but her daughter healed. 
The second possible way to interpret it is to treat this story as authentic, but argue that Jesus' behavior is not as harsh as modern readers think. It's akin to saying something like, charity begins at home, or maybe Jesus didn't mean dogs, but puppies, and puppies can be cute. But as one commentator I read put it, I don't think a woman would note the difference between being called a female dog and a little female dog. And the third option is to accept the story in all its harshness. This woman refuses to give up. An audience hearing the Canaanite woman's story would expect that she gets three chances. But here, after her third strike, she doesn't bow out. She steps up for a fourth attempt. She persists. And this time the encounter is not terminated. She continues to call Jesus Lord, asserting that he is Lord not only of Jew, but also of Gentile. She uses his words to argue against him, and her reply ingeniously shifts the image from frugality, bread for the children only, to abundance. She speaks of the master's table so lavishly supplied that food falls to the floor and feeds the hungry dogs beneath it. Context matters. This is the only place in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus' ministry takes place outside of Israel's borders. This story comes on the heels of Jesus' controversy with the Pharisees and the scribes over the tradition of the elders and his disciples' failure to wash their hands ceremoniously before eating. It also appears not far behind, but in stark contrast to Peter's little faith in Matthew chapter 14 and to the disciples' little faith that will follow in chapter 16. So here in Matthew 15, the woman's great faith foreshadows the response of the Gentiles to the gospel. Hers is a faith that overcomes barriers. Interestingly, this is the only place in the whole New Testament where the term Canaanite appears. The term is antiquated. The Canaanites had been obliterated in the Old Testament. There were no Canaanites in Jesus' day. They were ancient history. But the Canaanites were, of course, the sworn enemies of Israel. Even though those are ancient days, it is clear to see whoever this woman is, she is an outsider. I wonder if you have ever felt like an outsider. In the early 2000s, I spent a semester abroad. And if you've ever traveled abroad, then you know it can be hard for Americans to hide our Americanness. That particular semester, at the height of the Iraq War, many Europeans were not thrilled with these United States. My American friends and I occasionally encountered anti-American language, and we thought it hilarious to pose ironically in front of anti-American graffiti. We tried to fit in as best we could, but often our clothes, our accents, particularly in my case, and our demeanor gave us away. One American friend from my program spent his spring break in Paris. And while traveling there on the metro, a Parisian man singled him out as an American and spat in his face and called him a hateful word. My friend felt alone, out of place, like an outsider. 
but you and I both know you do not have to travel across an ocean to feel like you're in a foreign land. A grown child of our church has been working at an area grocery store since his school closed this past March. The store has recently begun to enforce a mask policy. And this young employee was tasked with greeting customers as they entered the store and offering free masks to those who had come to shop unprepared. I'm sure he received a myriad of responses. And sadly, alarmingly, one customer behaved just like that stranger on the metro in Paris. And he spat on our young church member. Now, I cannot imagine what it would take for me to spit in public, let alone to spit on another human being, especially in the middle of a global viral pandemic. I don't know if it is scientifically measurable, but it sure feels like we are seeing more of this kind of extreme behavior, this us versus them mentality, the my rights over your rights point of view. And to be quite frank, it is terrifying. Six years ago, a study put out by Stanford sociologists declared our country is now more starkly divided in political terms than in any time since the end of Reconstruction, and more unequal in material terms than roughly a century ago and greater even than on the eve of the Great Depression. Six years ago, this was their finding. Things certainly have not gotten any better since. We cry out for justice and mercy, but we want it for ourselves, for us, not for them. I can hear the disciples now, send her away, Lord. She keeps shouting after us. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Jesus replied to them. I was sent for us, not for them. This is why the story of Jonah kept replaying in my mind this week. Jesus sounds a bit like Jonah to me in this moment. I'll go, Lord, but don't send me to Nineveh. Surely you don't mean to save Nineveh. The Canaanite woman is not having it. Moms with sick kids are like that. They won't let anything get in the way of taking care of their child. Not unsympathetic doctors or health regulations or lousy insurance. Not even a slightly narrow-minded Messiah figure. But she came and knelt down before him saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. The more I wrestle with this passage, the more I have come to believe that in this scene, we are witnessing Jesus grow. It is possible that Jesus' own sense of God's kingdom is challenged, stretched, enhanced by his encounter with this fierce and faithful woman. It is possible that he changed his mind. Maybe Jesus really believes he was only sent to the Israelites and that the woman takes him on, and in fact, she persuades him that something larger is at stake. In this context, her great faith isn't so much an amount but rather is simply the fact that she just plain holds on. 
she won't let Jesus go until she wrestles a blessing from him on behalf of her daughter. Perhaps we are witnessing Jesus learn that God's kingdom and Jesus' mission is bigger than he initially imagined and that it is more encompassing than he'd first envisioned. David Lose raises the question, does this mean Jesus is not perfect or sinless or sovereign? To tell you the truth, I don't think these are questions this passage is interested in. Rather, I think this passage invites us to imagine that God's purpose unfolded throughout Jesus' life and ministry, and that it continues to do so in our own lives and experiences. This tenacious and faithful woman, a complete stranger, pushed Jesus to reconsider, to learn, and to grow. So that begs the question, can we learn? In 2009, literally seconds after I gave my first benediction as an ordained minister, the pastor emeritus of my home church followed me outside the sanctuary doors. We had a few brief moments together before the postlude ended and the congregation that raised me flooded out onto the front lawn. The retired beloved pastor hugged me, told me how proud he was of me and how he felt he needed to tell me something. Years ago, decades ago, when he was a young Presbyterian pastor, he voted his conscience, as we are all called to do, at a Presbytery meeting. His vote was against ordaining women. In the many years that followed, he grew to regret that decision. In the end, he was grateful for the ordination of his female colleagues, and I know in the years that followed, he had done much to empower women in ministry like me. He told me he wanted to share this with me because he knew he had been wrong and he wanted to be honest about his short-sightedness and his willingness to change. His honesty was humbling. He didn't have to tell me any of this. I never would have known. He went on to remind me that God had made me, me, that God had called Elizabeth and that I should never try to be something or someone that I'm not. Honestly, this may be the best blessing I've ever received. This beloved retired pastor, now dearly departed pastor, showed me how important it is to listen and to learn. Maybe that's God's spirit at work, opening our minds and reshaping our hearts. The Canaanite woman teaches us about the power of the outsider. Newcomers, strangers, people who are different from us stretch our perspective and teach us things about themselves, about the world, and about us. But only if we listen. And while from time to time you will meet a person as bold or desperate as this woman in our story, goodness, how many images of desperate mothers have we seen on the news in these past two months? More often than not, these outsiders sit at the margins of our personal spheres. So we need to reach out to them and convince them that we see them as human beings and we care about their opinion, even if it contradicts our own. The Canaanite woman also teaches us about the nature of faith. We don't know whether this woman believed herself worthy of God's attention and Jesus' time 
but we do know that she believed her daughter was. She was convinced that her precious, beloved daughter was absolutely deserving of Jesus' attention, and so she was willing to go to great lengths to help her, even to the point of arguing in public with this famous teacher and healer. If we want to be open to God's Spirit, then we need to be willing to listen and to learn. It's not the disciples in the story that show us what great faith looks like. It's the woman who's not afraid to wrestle a blessing from Jesus, who shows the disciples, the church, and us, and Jesus, that the table is wide, the food is plenty, and God's grace is enough. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus. Jesus.